fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Yes, Hoosier. it is. Another one ready to rock and roll for you here, a post-Monday celebration, the greatest day of the entire week, baby. We are setting the tone for the rest of the week, which is what we do here on the show every single day. Welcome into it. This is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations and TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen, your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day. We got a fun show lined up today. There is Teresa Mole. At the bottom of the hour, she is the author of the book, Woke Proof Your Life. How do we fight back against the wokeness that's going on? Now, that's different from actually being awake of what's going on in the world to being woke. Vast difference. We'll explain that at the bottom of the hour and how we can protect ourselves from the wokeness in society. Kind of like how apparently leaders can just dress in whatever they want to on the congressional floors now in Washington, D.C. Oh, I love it. The pushback continues, and the Democrats just don't understand why. It's hilarious to listen to. According to Fox News, they interviewed a few of the elected officials from both chambers, and the dumbfoundness of some that are just like, I don't know why there's so much pushback on this. The John Fetterman himself, which is why we ended up doing this change altogether. If you remember John Fetterman, who just shows up on in Congress in with his hoodie and his uh, gym shorts, whatever, got the policy changed by Chuck Schumer because they want him to not look out of the norm. And I have to admit, man, every time we hear him talk, it's not just the uh, the strokes that he had, the three different strokes or whatever, however many he had going on the campaign trail. It's not just that. He's a Democrat. He's just a goofy kind of guy, man. And I'm not picking on him. I just don't get it. That's that one Congress that that individual was able to become an elected official. One of the elite 100 legislators in the U.S. Senate. He was able to win that. And I don't understand why they always say that if you look yourself in the mirror, that uh, you see the reflection of what you perceive, not what necessarily everybody else perceives, right? You look at yourself, how you react to other individuals. I'm curious now, from a psychological standpoint, if the elected officials in Washington, D.C. is a representation of our reflection of ourselves in the private sector as the quote-unquote voter. And if that's the case... We're in a world of hurt, man. We have Joe Biden that can't remember his name. We have Mitch McConnell that can't complete a sentence. We have John Fetterman, who is just a goofy fella himself. Uh, And the vast majority of our elected officials are extremely old and are egotistical. So if that is the representation of what America is, we have some identity crises things to work on. But it is kind of funny watching some of the reaction from the elected officials, including John Fetterman himself. Lowered. The Senate is degraded. It's debased. We debase our currency all the time. Now we're debasing ourselves, and I think that that's sad. I just think the people of Pennsylvania are embarrassed. I'm embarrassed for them, and um, 
we'll see how this all plays out. Well, I mean, I, I feel it's, you know, a little more freedom, which should be bipartisanship, you know what I'm saying? So, but I don't know why the right side seems to be losing their minds over it. Like, ah, dogs and cats are living together and, you know, like the world's spinning <laughs> off its axis. But, you know, I think it's a good thing, and, uh, but I'm going to use it sparingly and just glad that it's here. So that last part was actually John Fetterman himself. And you, you need to watch the video. It's on Fox News. It's hilarious because as they ask him, he's in his hoodie, in his shorts, saying he's going to use it sparingly, which is hilarious, as he's in this hallway and he's pacing the floor with his hands on his head. Oh, there are cats and dogs and we're working together. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe this is bipartisan. The guy's nuts, man. And I'm not just talking about the the, uh, the whatever mental issues that he's had, depression stuff that he's had. It's just, man, that's an elected official. That's the one leading, coming up with the ideas to change the nation, to make the nation a better place, to save the country, and to move us in the better direction. That's the best that the state of Pennsylvania could come up with. And I'm not saying Dr. Oz was any better, by the way. Wow, man. All right, we got a lot to talk about here. Let's get into what's trending. What's trending today? Speaking of Pennsylvania, they've been back in the news again because apparently this grand state of Pennsylvania, I have to ask you, listeners that are in Pennsylvania, we have a lot of podcast downloads out there. We don't have any radio stations there yet, but we're working on it. But our podcast downloaders that are out in the state of Pennsylvania, could you email me, please? Who's your media network at gmail.com? What's going on out there? What are you thinking? What, what, what are we doing out there? What's the plan? Because... I don't quite understand the thought process of electing someone like John Fetterman. I get it. He was a union guy. He was a blue-collar guy. It's a very strong union place. And, yes, we'll maybe get into that in a little bit again uh, because there's some new fascinating information with this UAW strike. But John Fetterman was the best that you have. Now, apparently, according to the state legislature and, the, and what's taking place in the great state of Pennsylvania, you're now, according to our latest and what's trending, is now allowing automatic voter registration every time that you get or renew your driver's license in the state. Uh, now, I try, as you know, on this program, we're not just one party politics side. We're not just one side of the aisle. We try to look at good ideas wherever they may be. We criticize both sides and we praise both sides when they do good. That's what we do. We're fair and balanced and equal in the middle, although we're conservative on this show. We're at least thinkers. We try to expand our thought process on a daily basis. So I try to understand, even if I don't agree with it, if I can understand your thought process to get from point A to point B, I can at least respect it. I may not agree with it, but I can at least expect it. That's what we pride ourselves on on this program. And I'm trying to find the benefits of an auto registration for your voter registration when you get your driver's license. And one part of it that they try to say, at least the Democrats say in the state of Pennsylvania, is say, well, if you do that, then we don't have to worry about additional registration, saves on some paperwork, saves on some fees, saves on, on some money for consumers, and we can keep better voter registration rolls. And I can kind of see that if you verify yourself and you go get your driver's license. I can see that. That is a good thing. Okay, you know what? If you're already getting your driver's license, you're already showing your address, you're showing a address verification, you're showing something to get your driver's license. If you move, you usually get your driver's license updated, in which case your voter registration would go along with that as well. I can kind of see that. The big snag and the big red flag that pops up here, however, is the concern of many states that are going down the same road of near 24 states that have jumped on board with the automatic voter registration with your driver's license is who's actually getting a driver's license. 
And if you don't have a driver's license, then how do you get your voter registration there as well? And I'm talking about maybe elderly individuals who still have the right to vote and yet they want to register, but they don't have a driver's license anymore, either because they don't need one or they're too old and they don't pass a driving test. Also, younger individuals, you can get your driver's license at what, 16? You can start driving. And our voter registration, as far as I'm aware, you have to be 18 in, in order to register to vote. So there's kind of a tag on each end of that. But there's the bigger picture here that is a cause for concern. And this is the first thing that popped into my mind when we saw this news story is how many states allow illegal immigrants to get a driver's license. How many do you think? There's a total of 19 across the nation. You know how many states have jumped on board with the voter registration through your driver's license? 24, which means there's some overlap. You want to know exactly how many overlaps there are? Well, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Hawaii, Illinois, Maryland, Massachusetts, Washington, Nevada, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, Rhode Island, and Virginia. Wow. Some of these swing states, some of these heavily blue states. Nonetheless, all of these states have the ability for illegal aliens to be able to get a driver's license. Funny how things turn because you start seeing the end game here, don't you? We bring individuals in, illegally, mind you. They come in here and then they say, well, they're participating. They're part of the economy. They're part of society. We need to allow them to get a driver's license so they can uh, transport themselves to where they need to go. All right, we get them a driver's license. Now we have automatic voter registration when you get your said driver's license. No shenanigans there, right? You can also look at voter uh, activate or uh, voter engagement, which we'll get to in a second. But is this the plan? Now, I, obviously, these are states that are relatively heavily blue. New York, uh, New Mexico is kind of a swing state-ish. Oregon, kind of a swing state-ish. Virginia, obviously, it goes back and forth, kind of a swing state. The rest of these are relatively blue. California, Colorado is a swing state. At least it's supposed to be kind of a purple state. Connecticut, Hawaii, Illinois, Maryland, Massachusetts, all West Coast and East Coast states that are deeply blue. Shocker, we're not going to have a whole lot of representation in those anyways on the Republican side of the aisle. But when you tie in illegal aliens that are getting driver's license, and then you say if you automatically enroll when you get your driver's license, we're now allowing individuals who are not here in this country legally, who are not participating in the rule of law, obviously because they're not in the country legally, who are not supposedly being upheld to the rule of law by the nation's laws that are now making decisions for the country. Does, I don't know about you, but does that concern anybody else? I don't know, because to me, that's a not the best way to go about that. Then when you look at the swing states like Virginia and Colorado, that's going to make them the deep blue states. If enough states sign on to this, it'll eventually become a federal mandate, which is what they've tried to do with H.R. 1 and H.R. 3 just the last couple of years with some of the voter centralization powers by wanting to push this idea for voter automatic registration. And for some weird reason, Democrats are obsessed with registration because if you register, then all you have to do is show up and vote. But even if you don't show up and vote, you're at least registered so we can be like, oh, hey, more flexibility to play with if you believe in some of the voter shenanigans that may or may not happen across the nation. Because if you get them registered, even though they have zero interest in politics and showing up to vote, then, hey, there's an opportunity for us. You cast your ballot. I did. 
When did I cast my belt? Well, you already cast your belt. Don't worry about it. It's already taken care of. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Isn't that a cause for concern for everybody else? And why are we not linking the two and two together? Wait a second. We're allowing individuals to get a driver's license when they shouldn't really be getting a driver's license. Now we're just going to link in your driver's license with your voter ID. And eventually this will become a federal mandate to where no states will be able to fight this off. If 24 states are already on board with this, we're already almost halfway through the nation. They're sweeping across the nation, and guess what? Republicans, with all their turmoil and the civil war going on right now, are not talking about this issue whatsoever. Because to Democrats, as they gear up for the 2024 election, and I'm saying this with air quotes and in the theoretical sense, if they did cause voter shenanigans in 2024, we've caught on to them. Their game has been played. They no longer have the ability to play the games that they wanted to play before because now we're aware of them and we're watching them and and we're monitoring them. So they have to come up with a new game. And the new game is if you're already registered, even though you may not be politically engaged or active or actually go out and vote, that's a vote that has the ability to be cast without even your knowledge if you're aware of it because you're not involved anyways. Democrats love their voter registration. That's all they do. Voter registration, voter registration, voter registration all year long. That's the When you see them at a booth or some type of political event, they're not trying to advocate for, hey, vote for this candidate. It's just get registered. Period. End of story. And now if they have driver's license and they're already registered, imagine the opportunities and the possibilities for them. So now we have to look at the next step of it is voter engagement. How many of them are actually engaged after being enrolled hmm and if we see some kind of trend there then if we see massive spikes then of course we can say the things that make you go hmm and the red flags begin to pop up is this a cause for concern or is this streamlining the process to get your state issued ids all at the same time in the same place this is the voice of reason with andy hoosier Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. So I'm curious if we are starting to push in these states for the re-registration for your voting when you get your driver's license. Does that mean that Democrats are going to start getting rid of the same-day voter registration across those states and across the nation as well? The same day where on election day you can go and somehow just all of a sudden just register and be like, oh, I'm going to cast my ballot now. Like, can we get rid of that one? See, these are the negotiation process that Republicans, you would think, would actually start pushing back on with Democrats and be like, all right, let's find a happy medium here. Uh, You're right. If we look at a driver's license and you get a driver's license, that means you're obviously already providing the information to validate who you are, verification of address, verification of you, your social security number, your utility bill, something to prove that you are who you are and that you live at that address where you say you live. Okay, good. If we're going to do that, then guess what? We need to repeal the ability for illegal aliens to be getting driver's licenses because they're not allowed to vote, because they're not a U.S. citizen. So therefore, they shouldn't have a voice in our democratic process of the election time. So let's go ahead and remove that and say, no, all these states, including the 19 of them right now across the nation that allow that, we're going to stop that. Then we can actually allow the registration to happen from your driver's license. Okay, cool. Let's also get rid of the same day voter registration. See, these are what we call negotiations. 
These are what we call counter offers. And for some reason, Republicans at the statewide levels and at the national level have a very difficult time coming up with these things to negotiate or to challenge or to question or to fight and push back on because they're so scared of their own shadow that they don't want to look like they don't care for anybody or that they're scared of losing their seats or they're scared of looking bad in the media and they end up just cowering. But these would be what we call negotiations. Be like, you know what? I would be okay with the registration and get you just registered to vote when you go and either get your driver's license, you update your driver's license, you update the address on your driver's license, and we make sure everything's cool, everything's there, and then boom, you're registered to vote. I'm okay with that if you get rid of same-day voter registration and if you get rid of the ability for 19 different states across the country to have illegal aliens being able to get a driver's license as well. And if you do those things, then you know what? I will compromise with you and I will go along with the idea. The next concern, however, and the next question would be, all right, what about voter turnout? And how many people are actually turning out to vote? And do we see all of a sudden a massive spike? Because again, everybody, just because they have a driver's license, doesn't mean that they're going to actually go and vote. We see that because, well, really, voter turnout's only around 50 to 60% across the nation every election. In fact, since 1980... The voter eligibility population, there's two of them. There's voter eligibility population and voter age population, the VAP and the VEP. The VAP, voter age population, means the entire population that has the ability to vote. Voter eligibility population are the ones that aren't in jail, you know, that can actually vote, that actually are registered to vote, the ones that are able to actually walk into the voting booth on that day and cast their ballot. There's a difference between those two numbers. The voter eligibility population, meaning the ones that are registered, they're in good standing, everything's all hunky-dory, they can show up on the voting booth, that that number since 1980 has floated anywhere between 51% all the way up to the last election in 2020 that had a 67% voter turnout according to the numbers. According to Wikipedia, that was validated by this other one, uh, the Pew Research Center, that says that the election in 2020 actually had the num- the highest turnout for voter turnout since the election of 1900. That was at near 66, 67% voter turnout. And we can question that again with the reliability of that. Was it shenanigans from the other side of the aisle with rigging the elections? I don't know. I'm not going to say that's the case. But I will say that it was on the slight incline the years prior, where 2016 was actually one of the higher ones at 59.2% voter turnout when Donald Trump ran for president the first time. And then we jumped from 59% up to 66. So something obviously a little wonky there. That's kind of a blip in the numbers. If we continue down this road, the question's going to be, will that number continue to increase when people aren't actually showing up as much to the polls? Again, the things that make you go, hmm... This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. It is very concerning if we see the rabbit trail of the breadcrumbs they continue to drop for us and they tell us straight up what they want to do, but yet we continue to fall for it. I don't know what you're talking about. 
as we put on the horse blinders, we continue down our path and think that everything's just going to be hunky-dory and fine. And the Republicans have a, a complete lack of negotiation skills of, hey, all right, if we're going to do this, then <laughs> maybe we should start doing something a little bit different. All these states, again, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Hawaii, Illinois, Maryland, Massachusetts, Washington, Nevada, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, Rhode Island, and Virginia. I think there's another one in there, too. No, I think that's it. All right, that's it. Uh, all of you, you've crossed and blended between allowing the automatic voter registration when you go and get your driver's license and you allow illegal aliens to be able to get a driver's license. Now, put two and two together. Illegal alien who's not supposed to be here, who's not a U.S. citizen, is now going and get a, getting a driver's license and all of a sudden now registered to vote when they shouldn't be voting. So Republicans in all of those states, I know that many of them are deep blue states and you're in the minority, totally get that, but maybe that should have been the negotiation factor. Number one, let's get rid of same-day voter registration if we're going to do this. And number two, let's make sure that people aren't getting registered to vote who are not supposed to be registered to vote. Funny how that works, but we see the agenda unfolding before our eyes. Let's shift gears a little bit here and get into our latest in What's Trending. What's trending today? I'm really happy to have this next guest back on the program as we need to work on our game plan here. Republicans are really bad at that. We just like to complain about things and then overturn the tables and unelect the conservatives that could potentially be in office a little bit longer. And I'm not talking about people like Mitch McConnell because that's not a conservative and we don't need that uh, freezing within uh, public office of not knowing what the hell's going on. So how do we woke proof our life? How do we stop the shenanigans that are going on in the world and what can we do to prevent some of this and push back on it? Because it's time for us to push back just a little bit. We're starting to, but we got to take up it, crank up the dial just a little bit more. Happy to have on the program. She's been with us on our weekend syndicated program. Now happy to have her on for our weekday show as well. She is author of the book, Woke Proof Your Life, which you can find on Amazon and other places as well. Except Excited to have on here, Teresa Mull. Teresa, how are you today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. It seems like every day, even though we're becoming more aware of this, and maybe it's because we're becoming more aware of this, but it seems like more and more we're seeing the wokeness from corporations, from companies, and just in our daily lives. We can't get away from this stuff anymore, can we? Oh, I don't think that's exactly accurate. I mean, certainly it, it can feel intimidating and as if every time you turn around there's another company um, and promoting something that's woke and terrible and awful, but there are still plenty of companies out there who are neutral or actually pretty conservative, and um, we just have to find them and support them and continue our boycotts. Uh, we saw what happened with Bud Light and Target and Dodger Stadium and all those things, um, and, and more recently with the Dove Soap Company, you saw what happened there when they, they hired their new woke spokesperson. So, yeah, um, there's there's certainly a lot. They're powerful. They're well-funded, but uh, they're still outnumbered. I, I still believe that the, the silenced majority is still here. We're still strong. We're still powerful. So yeah. it's time to speak up. It is time to speak up, and it is very optimistic and encouraging, which is nice to hear. Are we seeing, unfortunately, because of this, are we seeing almost a segregation economically in this nation? Obviously, we used to have a physical segregation based on skin color. We've ended that, luckily. But now it almost seems like we're seeing a resegregation, but through economic means, whether it's because of the ongoing battle between evil rich people and poor people and less fortunate who are, you know, just slaves to the corporations, or whether it's the wokeness like this of where we end up spending our cash. I go and purchase things from a conservative business as opposed to going to a progressive business. I mean, it, it seems like now 
we have to be very wise on where we spend our money, and it's almost causing a resegregation of society. I think a little bit. I think there's definitely a shift toward an alternative um, economic system, but I do believe that most people, even if you do tend to be more on the socially liberal side, are just so worn out by having to pick a side in a political battle and having to, you know, um, promote some sort of radical agenda every time you buy something. Even if you do tend to agree with some of those uh, those concepts, I think most people just don't want to have to deal with it whenever they go and buy shampoo or do some sort of simple thing, you know, like buying a coffee or whatever. Um, so I think it's going to really come back to bite the wokesters and to do more harm because I think that people who are pushing these narratives and, and this agenda at the top are there's very few of them. And most Americans just want to live their life and not be bothered with all of that political stuff in the day to day. Yeah, that is very true. Which begs the question, where did this all come from with these corporations making these decisions? Do you think it's just because it's the fad from the very loud minority in, in the nation on social media and some of the messages we hear in the media altogether? So that's where they think that the general population is or do you think there's something a little bit deeper going on here with maybe the push for ESG saying I have to get on board with this whether I want to or not because now I have to do this in order to survive? I think the woke masterminds know exactly what they're doing. I think they know that all this woke stuff is just a smokescreen by which they can control um, us silly little people <laughs> as they think of us. Um, and I think they, they thought they'd be able to kind of pull the wool over our eyes and make us go along to get along with this. Um, and I think they're now surprised that so many people are waking up to it. And I think they didn't do themselves any favors by becoming so radical so quickly. It seems in the past, certainly since COVID, the past, you know, three or so years that uh, they really just took the gloves off and showed what their agenda was really all about. And the American people are really pushing back hard against it and rejecting it. So I, I think that they thought they'd be able to kind of sneak these initiatives in and that people would be duped by them. And, mm -hmm. and uh, but, but we're obviously not. Yeah, obviously not. Uh, we've heard a lot of the term of too big to fail, which really started back during the Bush administration with the auto industry, with the banking industry, with these massive bailouts from the federal government saying that if this business fails or if this industry goes down, it's too big to fail. We have to keep them alive by government subsidies, by government grants, by getting the business involved with the federal government and blending that private sector and public sector uh, to entities together. With that push, however, I think we've created a monster with many of these businesses that are no longer held to the consumer to be held accountable based on their, whether they're going to be successful or not, whether they make a good product, whether they have good customer service, whether it's high quality stuff, because now they're so big that they're, quote unquote, too big to fail because the government is now funding a lot of them with subsidies. Do you think that's contributing to part of this as well, that no longer are they really caring about how much profit they make from the consumer because, well, they're in the back, uh, back pocket of the government and they'll just continue to do what they want to do. I think so to a certain point, but um, they also do still care about profits because they don't have principles. They don't have morals. They are, they are there about the money, about power, and about um, succeeding in this world. That's their motive. So I do think that there is certainly uh, an amount of political influence that will keep some of these companies afloat and chugging along. But in the long run, you know, as more people reject them and, and stop supporting them, there's 
they they're, they do have a bottom line and they do want to make money. And as, uh, you know, people vote and vote with their wallets, vote with their feet whenever they move out of places that and refuse to support candidates who are in favor of subsidizing these sorts of places, you know, that we can make a cause a revolution and uh, and change the course of things from the bottom up, so to speak. So that's why it is, again, so important to to boycott these people and to uh, to make sure that every sort of aspect of your life is woke proof or <laughs> woke proven, I guess, um, yeah. by by being conscious of, of being a conscientious consumer in everything you do. Yeah, that is very true. I have to get your take on, I know just the last week or so we saw the headline that Bill Gates was buying massive amounts of shares of Bud Light because he didn't understand why the shares were going down so much and why people were fighting against that so much. Is that going to do anything, just buying buying up massive amounts of shares of Bud Light? If people still aren't buying the product, then what's the point of buying the shares to try and keep it alive? I don't understand that move. <laughs> well, maybe Bill Gates can afford to single-handedly keep Bud Light alive for, for a few years anyway. But no, <laughs> I, I really don't think, you know, it's been how many months now since the backlash with Dylan Mulvaney and you you continue to see the stocks plummet and the Bud Light sit there on the shelves and they basically have to give it away free. And, you know, of course, when it comes to beer, there's so many alternatives. So it's it's not like uh, people are going to say, okay, fine, I'm going to start drinking Bud Light now. I'm desperate. There's plenty of other beers and much more delicious beers, too, that, that taste better because they're not woke. <laughs> yeah, well, that is very true. Yeah, uh, moving forward as well, there's been the ongoing battle between, like, Disney and Governor Ron DeSantis down in the state of Florida. And I've said many times on the program that, I like what he's doing, but he's doing it for the wrong reasons, because I think a business should have the right to make the decisions they want to. And then, like you said, based on the consumer activity, uh, will show a telltale sign whether they actually support it or not support it. So going after them because, uh, you know, and trying to get rid of their uh, their ability to essentially run their own nation, have their own government, not have to pay property taxes has been needed for a very long time, but he kind of did it in a weird way and probably not the best way because he was going after it of, I don't agree with your morals and you disagreed with me, so I'm going to come after you. But do you think that's hurt, uh, hurt or harmed or helped maybe the state of Florida uh, and Disney now that they're trying to essentially reform the way that they operate and the way that Governor Ron DeSantis has handled that situation? That it'll certainly help Florida in the long run, you know, as the taxpayers are no longer forced to essentially subsidize, uh, you know, a radical, woke, um, evil institution. Um, I think perhaps on a larger scale, the way that the media has spun it, you know, as you said, it's it's been a long time coming that Disney should not have been granted all these special privileges. And so the more woke they became, the the more uh, egregious it became that they even had these in the first place because they are a private company. But, um, yeah, I think that the media has certainly painted Ron DeSantis as somebody who's just going after Disney and hates Mickey Mouse or something like that, which, of course, is, is yeah. not the case. He just he doesn't want them to be uh, using their government privileges yeah, to push something true. that's bad. That's true. I tell you, Teresa, we got to hang on the line here. we got to take a hard break. Uh, it's Teresa Mull with Woke Proof Your Life right back after this here on The Voice Reason. Stay here. for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Last few minutes of the program here. I want to tell you about my friends over at Americans for Prosperity. They're still going on with their Bidenomics campaign, letting people know about the disasters of Bidenomics. 
<laughs> obviously, as we hear about the debt, we hear about inflation, and the inflation's down. Yeah, it's still floating between 15 to 20 percent over the past three years under the Biden regime. So that's nice. Gas prices continue to rocket. In fact, we're getting closer to that $100 a barrel. Last I saw in the stock market, it was sitting at like 92-ish as it continues to climb. And the headlines from the media is like, well, as long as the Biden administration keeps it below 100, then we're okay. So apparently $6, $7 a gallon is totally um, acceptable for you as you drive on a daily basis. The economy's in shatters. It's broken, and we need to let people know about it. Is the Bidenomics is broken campaign from Americans for Prosperity. They're letting individuals know, and you can be part of that campaign as well. Whether it's helping out with door knocking, making phone calls, helping out with certain candidates, uh, going into election season, or just talking to your friends and family and neighbors around the streets, letting people know about what's really going on and the real truth about the economy, that's what you can do with this organization. AmericansForProsperity.org. Go check them out. AmericansForProsperity.org. Help reignite the American dream as they have over 4 million advocates nationwide. They're in all 50 states. And they are the largest grassroots organization across the nation. And this is a way that we get our economy back on track is through information, knowledge, and awareness. Unless we know about it, we can't fix the problem, right? And that's what we're trying to do. AmericansForProsperity.org. Go and check them out. Proud supporters here on The Voice of Reason. Right now, we're hanging out with our guest. She is Teresa Moll. She is author of the book, Woke Proof Your Life. A handbook on escaping modern political madness and shielding yourself and your family by living a more self-sufficient, fulfilling life. And Teresa, let's talk about some of those ways that we can uh, be a little more self-sufficient because I love that term, self-sufficiency, trying to take care of ourselves. And we mentioned it a little bit before about supporting conservative businesses, businesses with the same values, shopping local. Obviously, during the COVID-19 pandemic, we saw a strain on the supply chain do you think that reinforced some people across the uh, across the country to look at the farmers market locally, to go towards you know local farmers, to try and buy things local, to support those guys while the big box stores were you know out of toilet paper and things? Yeah, I think so. I definitely saw that locally. You know, people get, getting an interest in farming and and forming more networks with people. You know, so maybe they know somebody who has eggs, and then they can trade with them for you know produce in their garden or things like that. And I write about that in the book. People who um, were able to do that. I talked to a woman, a sociologist, who found. Um, amazing networks of people who were at least 50% self-sufficient as far as food goes in Chicago. So people wow. who had backyard chickens and they were able to form these networks completely outside of, um, you know, traditional commerce um, by going to different, uh, you know, like backyard chicken conventions and things like that right there in Chicago. So if you can do it in Chicago, I feel like you can do it pretty much anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Yeah, they are. That's good to hear. Because, like you said, I mean, they're uh, kind of living on their own already with how crime rates are and how the government doesn't take care of these individuals. Uh, it is a growing fascination for people to be more self-sufficient, food, water, security, and their common goods. If we go down this road, do you think that we can start pulling back the power away from these corporations that have lost touch with the common folk? Absolutely. I think that that's kind of one of the silver linings of wokeness, and I think that as the the powers 
get more and more extreme and people push back more against them and they see how much they're failing, I think that people um, are actually starting to wake up to this. You know, we've been kind of asleep. We've been complacent for a long time. And, and I think COVID scared us a little bit by seeing how fragile these networks really were and really are. And now people are, um, you know, learning to do things themselves, making friends with their neighbors, doing these things that we, we have traditionally done before government came in and provided our every need, quote unquote. Um, and now that we see the the weaknesses and the weak spots in that system, um, yeah, a lot of people are, are starting to do things for themselves and it's really refreshing and beautiful to see. And there's a lot of advantages that go beyond just being able to provide for yourself, but just for your mental health, for your physical health, for your family bond, just being outside in nature and interacting with one another is so great for your community and for society. The swing in the pendulum and getting things back on track, getting people to wake up and do them things for themselves, which we have not heard about in a very long time. It is encouraging and it's optimistic and it gives us some light moving forward in a very dark time when we all hear about the mainstream media and all the shenanigans going on with what's going on in the world. It is Woke Proof Your Life. Go and check it out on Amazon, other places as well. Teresa, thank you so much for coming on the show. Always such a great pleasure to chat with you. we got to do it again soon. Anytime. Thank you. Absolutely. Appreciate that. There it is. Podcast up in just a little bit. Until then, we're back at it for another day for a Wednesday, the middle of the week. Make sure to be your own catalyst for change in your local community and make sure to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.